Always a good time to stop and take a deep breath and remember him in communion. And uh, all I need, that's the name of the series we're in. And that Jesus Christ is all I need. And we've been walking through several different facets of who he is, and we've been celebrating along the way. I know last week we walked through a celebration of his hedge of protection, as Pastor Steve brought the word there and and, uh, powerfully shared the challenge there and what it means to worry and how we can set that aside and how we can trust in our God, having it all in hand. And uh, do you believe that? That was weak. Do you believe that? Yeah, man, God's got it. And uh, we can celebrate that with all we've got. And uh, for many of us, we wrestle through it on a daily basis because we're tasting of things we didn't necessarily plan to taste. And today we're looking at um, his provision, his provision on a daily, hourly, minute by minute basis. My God's got this in hand. So how do I lean on him and his provision? Here we go. Point number one. In every circumstance, depend on his strength, not your own. This comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. And so we're going to have the ushers coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and they'll get one to you. Philippians 4, 10 through 20. In every circumstance, depend on his strength, not your own. And uh, Philippians 4, 10. That's where we're going to start. He starts out... I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now, at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. It's like, I I celebrated, man. It, It was awesome. I recognized what God was doing in and through you, and and it was a sweet time of rejoicing for me. Why? That now at length you have revived your concern for me. Revived your concern for me. That word is actually a gardening term. Did you know that? Revived your concern. It means like it has re-blossomed. It's like talking about those flowers or plants that come back every year no matter what you do. Not the weeds, right? But like the perennials that come back and, and you're like, man, they look great every year and I never do a thing. And, and uh, that's what he's talking about. There's this reviving going on of their concern. And so what happened? Did Philippi, did the church at Philippi, were they like checking out on Paul? Don't care about him for a while. And uh, everybody, don't help Paul. Is that what was going on? And uh, no, actually what it says here is uh, that they revived the concern for me. You indeed were concerned. Like the concern was going on the whole time. It says, but you had no opportunity. And they had the heart. They just didn't have the means. And uh, they longed to help Paul, but they were going through an, their own tough circumstances, some tough things going on in Philippi. And, and they were trying to figure out how they could reach out in this church planting endeavor that Paul was about. It says, um, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever circumstance or situation I am to be content. Uh, not that I'm talking about being in need, right? You can hear Paul. He's like, listen, I'm not complaining. Right? Have you ever had those moments where you're going through something and somebody's like, Hey, how's it going? And you start to tell them a little bit. And then as you tell them, you're like, it sounds like I'm whining. I'm really good. I'm, I'm not complaining here. I'm just saying this is just a few things going on. And right. That's what Paul's got going down here. And, uh, he's saying like, I'm just telling you, uh, I'm not complaining at all. 
Uh, I've been through some stuff and I've learned. There's that word. You know what that means? That means you didn't know it, but now you do know it, right? Learned. It means he went through some life situations that really shaped him along the way. Learned. In fact, for Paul, this was the school of hard knocks. Experiential. And uh, I just wrote some verses or some words down here from 2 Corinthians 11. This is Paul describing some of his learning, some of his hard knocks. He says, in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, uh, between or beaten times without number, often in danger of death, five times I received from the, um, from the Jews 39 lashes, 40 kills you. So he received 39. They're like, there, that ought to do it. Right? And they left him one short. And uh, three times I was beaten with rods. Can you imagine? Not just hit once, but several times over with a big hard metal rod. Whack! Across the back. And uh, this is where Paul was learning to be content in whatever the situation his statement was. He says, once I was stoned. Not the kind of stoned you're thinking about right now. Once I was stoned, dragged out of the city and hit with huge boulders and little ones with the goal of killing him, right? And uh, three times I was shipwrecked. Can you imagine all the times where the human beings do wrong things to you and you're finally on a boat and you're off to do some things and you're hoping things go well and then the doggone boat collapses and crashes. Like what's God doing, man? And have you ever been through that in your life? Whereas you're walking through the circumstances, you're like, oh, come on. Like, that's a little bit of where Paul was going in some of his stuff. And, and um, it says, night and day I spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my countrymen, danger from Gentiles, uh, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. Uh, everybody say dangers. That's what was teaching him along the way, right? And uh, I've been in labor and hardship uh, through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure, apart from each external thing. There is the daily pressure on me, the concern for all the churches um, who is weak without being weak. Paul's like, I'm just telling you, my heart longs for you as a church as well. And man, there were times where I was concerned for what would happen next with the churches at large. And there's times where I was concerned for my own life. And in the midst of these things, God was teaching me, right? That's coming out of second Corinthians chapter 11. When Paul says, I learned in whatever situation to be content. He was not a whiner who was an expert of his problem, but instead he was a worshiper who was an expert of his problem solver, Jesus Christ, Right? And uh, no matter what was coming down, he was content. Oh, come on. For real? Like the guy's being whipped and beaten and stoned. Like he stands up after being stoned. He's wobbly. He's still got a concussion, right? He's wandering around a little bit staggering. And he's like, this is awesome. Is, really? He's content. Seriously. That's what it, that's what it says. He's learned to be content. Why? Well, I just wrote this down. Content. Uh, it is a state of satisfaction. Um, well, how does he be content in the midst of all these problems? 
It's uh, all in what you're longing for. Contentment. It's all in what you're longing for. Uh, if material possessions, well, then you may not be content. If health, well, you may not be content. Uh, if wealth, you may not be content. If your job, well, you may not be content. If your spouse needs to be a certain way, well, then you may not be content. And uh, if your family needs to be normal, then you may not be content. If, uh, if your children need to have their act together, you may not be content. But if Christ and his unwavering presence is what you're longing for and looking for, well, then you can be content. You can absolutely find Christ ultimately satisfying. Praise be to God. And uh, how do I long for Christ? How do I go after this thing where Christ and contentment is real no matter what the circumstance? So I just wrote this down. Three steps to trying to go after contentment biblically, all right? First, uh, know him. You got to know Christ, man. You got to know him for real. Like uh, Hebrews talks about fixing your eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of your faith. Fixing your eyes on him. Have you ever been on a boat ride where the water, the waves just start getting really huge? There was a time where I was, it was before we were even married, I had gone down deep sea fishing with my family uh, in Florida. And it was one of those party boats and the waves got huge and things are going up and down. And I mean, I'm not even going to go into the details of how many people I saw throw up that day. It was wrong on many levels, but you're standing on the back and you're hanging onto the rail and it's doing this. And you've got your eyes fixed on the, always fix your eyes on the horizon, right? Fix your eyes on something that's not moving. And you're going like this and fix your eyes on Jesus, your horizon, the author and perfecter of your faith. I'm telling you, he is a rock that does not move. And all too often we fix our eyes on the things around us. Oh, look at that. And it's going up and down and it's going all around. And it doesn't take long until this world makes you sick. You know what I'm saying? And uh, fix your eyes on Jesus and uh, know him. That's the best way to know him is to become a student of him and to watch him nonstop. Know him. Number two, know his power. Know his power. And uh, Ephesians 3 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could think or ask, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. That he could do far more abundantly than all you could ask or think. Okay. How many of you are struggling with a problem today? Just think of that problem. That thing that's got you down. That stuff going on you wish was different. Think of it. Right? Some of you, you can get that in an instant. Some of you are thinking a little bit. Praise God for that. If life's going that well, that's awesome. And uh, okay. Now you've got a thing. Lord. Here's what I would love to see in that. What would that look like? Got that? Now listen to this promise. He is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think. You hearing me? Your think was the starting point just now. Lord, it's time for me to see your power unleashed in me. I don't know what that means. You do. Here's my thought, but Lord, your will be done. And I'm ready to see you move on this problem. 
I want to know your power. Unleash in me a work. And let's see what God does. Huge privilege to know him, to know his power. And then number three, to know his struggles. Yeah, I don't like number three. I really don't want to know his struggles. And uh, check this out. Second Corinthians four, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This light and momentary affliction. Yeah, you don't know what I'm going through, Tim. It isn't very light and it's not very momentary. Okay. This is killing me. And, and, uh, hear me on this light and momentary are words that are describing it relative or in comparison to when we look at all of eternity, billions upon billions of years is but the beginning. This is light and momentary. Okay. When we look at eternity with no tears and no sorrow and no pain and all laughter and celebration and worship and satisfaction for all of eternity, whatever we're going through is in relative light and momentary. That's what he's talking about. And I love that Paul beaten and stoned and shipwrecked and in fear of his life. And he's like, Light and momentary. Bring it. I'm worshiping my God and nothing's going to take me off that line. That will reveal Jesus Christ to you like maybe never before. Know him. Know his power. And know his struggles. God will rock your world. He will. He will. Trust me. He will get to know him with all you've got, all right? And uh, notice Paul says here, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty. Everybody say that's blessing. And hunger. Everybody say that's need. And then he summarizes, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I have learned the secret. Did you know that? He's like, shh, there's a secret. I can tell you how it's done. Do you want to know? Do you want to know how to take on this world and its brokenness and be able to come through content no matter what? There's a secret. Are you ready? Here it is says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the secret. And uh, Okay, now we've all seen this quote, and we've seen it misquoted in a million different ways, right? I have not studied for my exam at all, but I'm going to get an A because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Just so you know, God may not bless that prayer. All right? And... Uh, Do you see this Mack truck? I am going to lift it with one hand. Here I go. Because he strengthens me. And you ain't going anywhere with that. Right? And so what does this mean? It doesn't mean superhuman feats. And it doesn't mean that when I haven't done my due diligence, that God's just going to pour in anyway and help me through. And what does it mean then? 
And uh, I can do, hear the action in that. You are engaging yourself, okay? You are getting invested in this. I can do all things, all things through him who strengthens me. All? It says all. How come it's not all? Whenever we see the word all, we always have to see what context it's in, right? So what context have we just been in? The context is whether in plenty or in need, whether in right hunger or in famine, whether whatever the circumstance, I can do all things. Contentment despite the circumstance. That's the context. You can be content despite the circumstance because your God strengthens. That's the secret. The secret is not muscling it. The secret is not being deranged. Did you know that? Like, have you ever met people where they're in the midst of struggle and they're like, this is just awesome. And you're like, you're weird. You shouldn't enjoy that. That's broken. You need to go see a doctor, a different kind of doctor and get some help on that because you shouldn't enjoy pain like that. And, and, uh, trust me, it's not about enjoying the pain. It's about enjoying the perfecting that God's doing and the glorifying that God's getting and may he get the honor. Okay. That's what we're going after him in charge, him strengthening me. How does he strengthen me? Myriad of ways can't even begin to number different in every circumstance him giving you an insight You never had him giving you a focus. You never had him giving you a struggling ability You never had him giving you something where all of a sudden your fear matters less and your god matters more Strengthening you in the inner man where you can now accomplish something because of god's work in you strength I'm just telling you He does a huge work and he walks you along a path and what a privilege we have to have him pour into our lives. And uh, him with us, him knowing where we're going, him knowing what's needed and him knowing exactly what to do in the right time. Do not walk away from your God. That's the secret. Him strengthening you. That's the secret. All right. You know, this past week we, uh, I was out. This last week, we went deer hunting this last weekend. For those of you who don't know, that's where we were. So our family went out deer hunting and, uh, it was a good time. We got out there as family. It's always fun to get out with uncles and cousins. And, and this time I took my daughter Alyssa with Megan was at college, but I took Alyssa with. So it was her first time out shotgun hunting. She's done the youth hunt stuff early in the year, but this is the first time when it's like below 55 or 60. You know what I mean? And it was cold out and it was good. It was a crisp morning and we got out there and, and uh, it was a blast to go through. I'm just telling you, you don't realize how much vocabulary there is and how much like different structure there is to hunting until you bring the new person out. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, we're going to go down the old road. We're going to go to the deep draws. The deer will be coming from the east. You got to listen really well. And she's like, I don't know what you're saying, man. I'm like, okay, walk with me and grandpa, right? And uh, as a matter of fact, why don't we just throw the slide up? And uh, this is a picture of Alyssa and my dad walking up the old road. Now you have been to the old road. And uh, it was a foggy morning. It was awesome. I mean, you can see the fog down in there and it laid down low. That's a big, deep draw off to the right there. And so it's just laid, socked down in. So we walked down into the fog and sat down in the absolute quiet. And we began to hunt and teaching a little bit of hunting along the way. And she already knows a bunch from other things we've done. But as we sat there quietly, uh, I glance off to my right and uh, noticed a leaf moving, but there's no wind blowing. I'm like, that's weird. 
I looked back over and another leaf next to it, and it was deer's ears coming up over the rise 10 yards away. And I'm like, Lissa, there's a deer to our right. Get ready. A little quieter than that, but it doesn't go over the microphone if I whisper the way I whispered to her, right? And she's like, no, there's not. Do not contradict me. There's a deer just over the right. Right? And you see her, she kind of leans back, and all of a sudden she does one of these. Deer. She's starting to try to slowly get around on it. The deer just had us busted, man, at nine yards, just standing there. She starts moving her head around and stomping her foot. There was nothing we could do. So we ended up watching her kind of scoot away without us getting up on it. And after she got away, we actually saw a handful more deer right down there in the draw. And I look at Alyssa, and I'm like, so? And she's like, that was awesome. I was afraid she might be a little disappointed that she didn't get a shot at the deer. Didn't get a shot at that. We ended up going to the back 80. There's another vocabulary word for you. 80 acres in the back. And we went to the back 80 and sat down. And I'm not going to go into the hunting story for it. I'll just tell you, she did get a big doe. And uh, she came running off the hillside. This doe just came, I mean, hauling off the hillside. One of the fastest. She's hauling down there probably 35, 40 miles an hour. And Lissa hit this deer and rolled it. And uh, praise God for that. I won't go into any more detail for those of you who don't like hunting. So, uh, Lisa did get a big doe. It was her first deer that she got and an exciting time for us. And I'm just telling you along the way, she took direction from her grandfather. She took direction from her uncle. She took direction from her dad. She learned as we went along and she actually accomplished along the way. There's people that may know more. There's people we may need to trust in. In fact, we may even need to be leaning on our God in the midst of the trip and the struggle. And God knows what he's doing, and he can walk us along that path. And uh, here's what I love. My uh, uncle, I don't know what he really is. He's probably like my third cousin once removed or something. I don't know. I call him uncle because he's more my dad's age. And uh, he comes up, and he's like, so, who got the dough? Nice job. And Alyssa goes, I did. Yeah! Come here, baby! He pulls her in close, rubs her head. Way to go, Alyssa! I love the. He's like... So, who got the deer? If I just said, oh, I did, he'd be like, great, nice job. <laughs> but, but Alyssa getting it first deer and everything, he's like, way to go! And, and man, that's your God with you. As he's walking through the struggle with you, I'm telling you, your God has a plan for you, and your God's ready to pour into your life in with you. And as things go in a certain way and you see him as he is and you get to celebrate him and there's victory, he's like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's where we're going with this thing. And that's your God. Depend on his strength, not your own. And all of God's people said, so what is God calling you through? Relationship stuff. Maybe it's a sin that's eating you alive and it's time to put it down. Maybe it's health struggles that God's got that you don't get. And you're waiting for God and you're looking for him to answer. Trust me, God's got plans. You hear me? God's got plans. And he is ready to celebrate in huge ways as he does more than you could ever ask or think. Lean on him. All right. That's the first step.
Second, in honor of your Savior, be willing to be the hands and feet of Christ as you help another in need. In honor of your Savior, be willing to be the hands and feet of Christ as you help another in need. He says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Paul's like, hey, thanks a lot, man. You guys were it. Like originally, as I went out, one church, you guys, the church at Philippi rallying for him and around him and caring for him. And Paul's like, I just appreciate as I reflect on you, how kind and giving you were. It says, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Are you hearing it? Paul's like, not that I'm seeking the physical gift you're giving me. It's not like, oh, I just want stuff. I want you growing. And the fruit of God at work in you and the credit of that given to you. Paul as the kind of the father figure over this church. And he's like, I love seeing you grow as you give. Did you know that happens? You sharing with others gives you the opportunity to grow in your giving capability. It actually gives you an opportunity to know more of your God because your God is a giving God. And you begin to exercise that facet of his character. And he's like, I love the fact that there is credit given to you, that there is righteousness in it, that there is fruit in it. And I celebrate that. Paul's like, need schmeed. I don't care about the need. I care about you growing. That's awesome. And thanks for what you've been doing. And I love seeing how he's been working in you. He says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Everybody say well supplied. Hang on. That's going to come up in just a second. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He says, I am well supplied, like the needs I have have been covered, not just a little, but in full. I am well supplied. Thanks for lavishing on me. And uh, he says, I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Notice the plural, gifts. And then he uses two Jewish terms here. He says, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing. A fragrant offering. This is the words they would have used when an offering was put on the idol and or on the altar and burned and the smoke coming off of it was a fragrant offering. The smell of someone saying, my God is in charge and, and, and I'm letting him be in charge of my life. And this is my offering back to him. And that's that fragrant smell, the offering of humility. And, uh, it's a power term for the heart and where it's at. And it says a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. A sacrifice. They didn't just give out of their wealth. They gave out of their need. It was a sacrifice. It did cost them. And they did give even in the midst of that poverty that they had. And the sacrifice back to God, it was uh, acceptable and pleasing to God. It was acceptable and pleasing to God. 
a huge privilege to be able to experience worshiping your God as you give. And uh, giving, all too often, it is built around trying to get attention to self. And man, that is a lame plan, right? Did you know that when you give, you are always worshiping? Did you know that? You're either worshiping yourself, like, man, they're going to think I'm awesome. When I give to them, they're going to know that I, right? And my family is the one that, and, and people are going to say, that family's good, right? And like all of a sudden, we're giving to try to get attention. And uh, everybody say, that's a lame plan. Please, that's a lame plan, all right? And yet, you can still be giving. On the outside, it looks the same. And on the inside, your heart changes. And now you're like, God, may you be glorified. Lord, I don't care about the attention. And I don't care about any thanks that may come. I just want to make sure you get the glory. And this is about you. And uh, thank you, Lord, for how you've given to me. And now I'm going to give to others. And a huge opportunity to give. And, uh, And this church lavishes it on. I love seeing the giving that comes in this church. You guys do an excellent job. And you already heard Kent just say thanks for the giving tree and covering, I think, 307. Was that the number? 307 kids who in the area, they have like no mom or no dad or there's extreme poverty going on. There's hurts in whatever way. And they're, they're wrestling and they're hurting and they're struggling through this season and on top of it, in the midst of all the destruction relationally, there is absolutely no physical Christmas, no gifts, no anything like that. And, and uh, we're able to partner with them now, come alongside. We're able to have them here. We're going to be giving them the gifts here and getting the truth of who Christ is out to them as well as taking care of them a little bit. And praise God for that. That's a small thing. And, uh, and yet a huge thing as we reach into this community. And, uh, you know, we have a family in this church who has a young boy, seven or eight years old, who has cancer. And uh, sweet family, strong family. And uh, back in October, they needed to go down to Memphis for six weeks plus to be able to do treatments down there. And uh, so they're actually still down there at this point, right? Oh, they just got back. So six weeks plus down there and uh, just a huge, huge um, time of healing is the prayer. And there was some great news that came along with it. There was some tough stuff as well as they're walking through that. And before they were going down, they're like, oh, one of the things we do is we actually have like this apartment that we rent out and it's not ready. And we're, how can we do this? And we got to get out of here. And so their impact group said, we got it. You go. We're taking care of it. And they put 15 people in that apartment that night. And they painted walls and they cleaned up and they got a new range hood in and they got everything set up and prepped in one night and got that thing ready to rent and sent those guys off caring about what they need to be caring about first and foremost. That's care. And I'm telling you, it is essential that we reach in to the lives of those around us and we be the hands and feet of Christ. I love what that group did for them. I love this family and what God's doing in their life. And it doesn't mean there's not still hurt. Are you hearing me? It doesn't mean that there's not still struggle. But in the midst, we make the load a little lighter and we run with one another. 
And all of God's people said, who's God calling you to? Who's God calling you to help? Maybe it's in your impact group. Maybe it's a neighbor down the street. Maybe they don't go to this church. That's not the point. The point is, who's God making it to a point of you to say, you can make a difference here. Let's weigh in. Okay, now you got the person. How can you help? Get specific in your decision. How can you go after spending some time with them? Maybe it's just making a meal and dropping it off. Maybe it's having them over for a meal. Maybe your family's too weird and it's more appropriate to give them the meal. I don't know. (laughs) You make the decision. Lord, how can I care for them? May I be your hands and feet in this season. Okay. And number, number three, trust your God to handle your daily needs. Trust your God to handle your daily needs. Here we go. Remember that word well supplied that we just talked about? I had you repeat, right? Here we go. He says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And my God will supply every need of yours. That same word supply there. It's like well supplied, man. God's got it covered. And uh, he will supply your need. So let those words settle. Do you believe that? Okay. I'm just going to tell you that I've wrestled with this verse for a week and a half. Really? You have a need, and it's just going to be covered by God. And don't give the Christianese answer. We're down with that plan, okay? Make sense out of the scripture and make sure it's making sense in your life, all right? And it doesn't say here that you will have zero needs. That would be a bad read of this passage. We just got done talking about Paul being beaten and whipped and stoned and shipwrecked and scared out of his mind for some dangers going on. And how do we make those two align? And what's going on with this? We better have a good answer for it or we have no answer for it. You hearing me? And uh, so it says, my God will supply every need. Please notice, first of all, will supply. Uh, I wrote this down. Will supply. That means one of two things. Either he's going to remove the need or he's going to provide strength in the midst of the need. Notice it does not say, my God will remove every need. He doesn't say that. He says he's going to supply into the need. And so hear me on this. He is going to make sure that either there is an absolute path for going around need removed. And praise God for those moments, right? Love that. When we're praying and we're like, God, please take this away. And he's like, that's where I'm at. That's what I'm doing. And he removes that need, whether someone's coming in and they fill it or, or somehow it's just taken away and praise be to God for it. And we love the going around path, right? And then there's times where he's like, on this one, I'm taking your hand and I'm putting an arm around you. And we're walking through this one. And I'm going to give the strength you need. Right back to verses 10 through 13. 
I am going to provide what you need in the midst so that this no longer becomes the thing that would trip you up. This no longer becomes the thing that would stop you from doing. And now we have a very real answer of our God. He will absolutely either remove the need completely or provide the strength to handle the need where it is nothing. Are you hearing me? And now we're right back to, I can be content whatever the circumstance. And we got to make sense out of these scriptures or we end up walking away saying, you know what? Become a Christian. No more problems. Except that the Bible doesn't really say that anywhere else. It talks about struggles being the things that shape us and build endurance and character in us. It talks about trials being given that we might be able to count it joy as we build patience within us. And how do we dovetail these two? Is the dude in the midst of the struggle, he like forgot to pray this? Lord, could you please supply my need? Well, yes, I was waiting for you to say that. And then boom, magic supply. Is that what it is? Like, no, that ain't it, man. It's that God somehow has a plan at times to walk us around and at times to walk us through and always to have it in hand. Have it in hand. That's my God. So maybe we need to better understand the word need now. And uh, need, it's best defined as that which is acquired, that which is required to achieve the goal. That which is required to achieve the goal. What goal? What goal are we talking about? Right? See, that's the problem. We get into different goals. My goal, well, I have the bumper sticker. It says, he who has the most toys wins. That's my goal. And God isn't helping me get that goal. I need more stuff. Right? And bring it on, please. And God's like, yeah, that's not really the goal. We're not in agreement on that one. Or here's my goal. My goal, my goal is no pain. I love that goal. Like I am not going to suffer a struggle. I am going to be content and just at ease, man. Comfortable, comfortable. That's my goal. And God's like, yeah, that's not my goal either. That's not my goal. And what is our goal, God? My goal is fixing this broken world. One heart at a time. We're going to walk through this thing. And I'm going to be growing you and me. And there's going to be glory and honor in the midst of it for my name. And we are going to get this thing restored. Praise be to God. Goal. For us to grow to be like him. For us to be matured in him. That's the goal. Need anything that stops that goal. That changes it a lot, doesn't it? All of a sudden we're like, oh, well, maybe this isn't even a need anymore. Now we're thinking. We're beginning to see what God's doing in this world. And uh, yes, my God will supply every need. And yes, we can be content no matter what the circumstance. And yes, God has it in hand. And uh, notice what he says here at the end. My God will supply every need of yours according to the riches of in glory in Christ Jesus. According to the riches. This doesn't say from the riches. It says according to. Like as many riches as Christ has, that's how he's supplying in. That's what it means. Massive lavishing on. Okay? 
doing a huge work in Christ Jesus. In other words, your heart will be shaped. Eternity is at hand. God is doing some things in you that you could not ever do alone. And he says, this is our God. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. And there's the goal. Glory to God the Father forever and ever. Amen. That's where we're headed. God's provision, whatever you're going through, he is willing to be right there in it with you, hurting with you, wrestling with you, empowering and strengthening you, and at times even removing the need so that you can move around it. Praise be to God. Your God has this in hand. So bring it all back around again. What's the struggle you're struggling with? What's the distraction you have at hand that's got you headed a different direction? It is time to see my God always has this one. I'm trusting in him. I'm depending on him. And I'm willing to be his hands and feet as I reach out to those around me. And all of God's people said, let's pray.